Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Oh, I say, that's a bit festive, isn't it? We've never had the full orchestra. We've obviously splashed out a little bit. Wait a minute, what's missing? Uh, they've sold a chair. OK, so a chair's gone, we've got the full orchestra in. That's nice. How are you? Are you good? Thank you to all those people. Uh, this is separate from everything else, but all the people who came to the, the Magic Circle yesterday for my Magic Circle Christmas show. And uh, I think a good time was had by all, as usual. I generally cry, and uh, and I nearly cried about four times yesterday. And it was really lovely, so thank you for coming down. Thank you for being nice. And uh, and I hope you all have a, uh, had a safe journey home, and uh, we're all up at that. The amount of people I met yesterday who said, oh, we wake up at four o'clock in the morning, you've changed our lives, you've done this and that. And it was really lovely. And uh, and I did wear two sparkly jackets. I thought we'd kind of make the effort for Christmas time. So, uh, season's greetings for one and all. We are interdenominational on this programme. We're not really, actually, we're not really bothered whether you have a religion or you don't have a religion. <laughs> I couldn't care less, actually, because, uh, you know, somebody say, oh, I'm this and that and I'm offended by that. So I've decided if you're going to offend everybody, let's offend everybody at the same time. So happy Christmas, season's greetings, felicitations, have a wonderful day. It's just, it's an excuse, isn't it? To put your feet up, it's an excuse to have some food, but then we eat food every day, don't we? It's not like we're eating something really unusual. It's not like we go, and this year we're going to eat, um, you know, capuchin monkeys or something. I don't know why I thought of capuchin monkeys. I kept thinking, I nearly said aardvark, and I suddenly realised it maybe wasn't at all politically correct, and I'm not a politically correct person. So, it, it's, we eat turkey. Well, you can eat turkey any time of year. We eat sprouts. Pigs in blankets, probably not as often as we should. And uh, trifle and stuff like that, and Christmas pudding. I had a Christmas dinner the other day, so so far I think I've had... Two Christmas dinners. My friend Ian has had two Christmas dinners already. And um, I think that's nice. I like it. I had Christmas dinner the other day with some friends of mine. We went to uh, Joe Allen's on Friday, which was lovely. I always like it when you can sort of relax. And around Christmas time, especially in in my business, it's a bit hectic because everything piles up. And because of the illness which is doing the rounds and all the people who've got sniffles and coughs and colds and wheezes and feeling chesty and just feeling a bit... You know, I mean, I met a couple of people at the Magic Circle yesterday who were sort of feeling a bit... And it's, it's awful because I know what it's like. You lie there and you think, make it go away. And there's nothing you can do about it. You will be taking cough mixture, you'll be having throat sprays. I've, I've got loads of stuff. Catherine, uh, who was down at the Magic Circle yesterday because she's uh, a magician and uh, is part of the, the team for the Christmas shows down there, also she'd been ill, you know, and she said it's awful because you go to bed one night and you feel fine. You wake up in the morning, you feel like death. And it's really terrible. Mine came on. Two weeks later, two weeks later, I've still got a bit of the cough. It's easing. As you've noticed, I mean, it's easing quite a lot because two weeks ago I couldn't go five words without doing the complete coughing routine. And then I discovered, because I'm, I'm a coffee drinker and I drink a fair amount of coffee. I'm trying to cut back on it. Well, since I've had the cough and since I've had the... Because I never had a cold. I never had the cold. I only got the cough and the chesty bit, which in my business is fatal. You know, if you're a radio presenter and you do any amount of talking... It's going to be difficult. So somebody said to me, drink tea. So I've been drinking tea and I could get through. I mean, in the morning, I need to make a pot of tea. I do have a pot, uh, but I never use it. I make individual because ever since they invented tea bags, you pop a tea bag in before you had to brew it and then put on it. Oh, it really is. And so I've started drinking tea and now I'm getting through about six cups a day. 
But I think it's better for me. Somebody said I was also drinking when I had the cough. The one thing that soothed my throat, false economy, was milk. Ice cold milk. Now, I don't generally drink milk. And I drink semi-skimmed milk, which, you know, I didn't think years ago I, I could. Unfortunately, we, we, we sort of lapsed on Friday because Kevin the Milkman sent in a bottle of Gold Top. And it's fatal. I mean, fatal. Because it's like 500 calories a bottle, but it's delicious. It's, it's so delicious. I can't... I mean, if somebody said to me, what is the most delicious thing that you've ever drunk? And I'm going to have to go, it's Guernsey milk. I mean, if you have it ice cold from the fridge, it's like drinking liquid cream. It's just the best, but it's like 500 calories in the bottle. And so every, Phil Vickery wrote to me and said, it's 500 calories a bottle. I went, I don't care. I don't care. And so yesterday was very good. We did the show at the Magic Circle. Uh, normally I have a couple of, they always, you know, I normally get a couple of glasses of wine. I didn't have any wine at all yesterday. I drank a little bottle of water. And that's quite good because, you know, water goes right through me. I don't know whether or not there's something in water, or not as the case may be. But it's the only thing that goes right through me. Tea I could drink till the cows come home and nothing is affected. Doesn't make any difference. Drink a half a glass of water and running for the toilet. It's that bad. It really is. And so, uh, so, so what have we done since we spoke last? We've been to the hospital for the burns, which is good. We're all sort of, we're kind of good on the burns. They've given me some new burn cream, which I, uh, I'd run out of. So I've got that. And then they ask you to fill in a little form. They're going to send me some more. Um, I don't know what they're called, actually. It's a, it's a sleeve that goes over my arm, which keeps in the um, the skin graft. It's, I mean, it doesn't need to keep in there. It's not going to fall out or anything like that. But I've, I've got that. So we did that on Friday, and that went really well. And they were very pleased, very pleased with the way it's gone. So very happy about that. And uh, what else has happened? Well, we're up to speed for Christmas. And I looked through the papers this morning because I'd forgotten uh, whether or not the papers were going to be here today. And it turns out, that they are here today. And so Matt was talking about... What was he talking about? Oh, UFOs. That's right. And some some Looney Tunes bloke from the uh, from the Pentagon saying, of course, you know, it's, it's real and all the rest of it. Quite clearly a man with a drink problem, I suspect. So, of course, that then brings out all the other people who go, well, I was standing there with my girlfriend, as if that sort of gave some sort of credibility to the whole story. And this light appeared in the sky at a 45-degree angle. And so you go, it's a 45-degree angle. And then, and then it sort of took off, and then it went... And you think, you're mad as a brush, aren't you? You are mad as a brush. The argument being... That because space is infinite, there's got to be something out there. Why? Why? What would what would be out there? What would be the thing that could be out there that would sort of that would sort of tempt you to think there is something? I mean, I can't prove that there isn't. On the other hand, you can't prove that there is. So you're kind of at stalemate. It's like the crop circles. There are those mad as brush people who sort of like to believe that a spacecraft comes down and for some inexplicable reason creates a shape in somebody's cornfield. Why they don't just write a note or send an email, I've got no idea. But they make a mess in somebody's cornfield and then it's a case of, well, you know, that's, that's the way it is. And no matter what you say, they will argue the toss with you. So if I say, listen, they really, really do not exist. There are no little aliens who come down like E.T. phone home, E.T. phone home, and they do not make crop circles. That's students. okay? students who've had a load of drink with a broom, handle, a piece of rope and some graph paper and a flashlight. That's how they're done. Because otherwise, and it's always in Wiltshire, and I'm telling you now, it's always within less than a mile of this pub. 
OK, there is a pub which is out there in the middle. I mean, are you telling me, then, the whole of Wiltshire, admittedly I used to live very near there, that they don't notice a spacecraft hovering over a farmer's field, sending down beams of light? You know, it's very sweet. I had a major argument with somebody once. They sent me in a video on crop circles, mad as fruitcakes. And so I looked at it, it's part of old rubbish. Anyway, they then had the cheek to ask for it back again. So I put it back in the post, but I didn't put any stamps on it. I thought, I'll let you pay for that if you want it back. And, uh, but people want to believe. People really want to... They like the idea of believing. You know, people want to believe in E.T. People want to believe that there is something out there. Phil Vickery's up already. God knows. He must be... Do- what are you doing? You're not doing television today, Phil, are you? Can't be telly today. What are we up to? Sunday. Crisp. Yeah. Merry seasons, as they say. Merry seasons. <laughs> So, uh, why are you up, Phil? He's, he's up very early. He just goes morning. And so you think he's up early preparing or doing something. I don't know. Who knows what people do? Because I suppose today is preparation day. Because the idea is, once you've prepared and you've got everything done, then it takes away the pressure from tomorrow. You might have, you know, nobody coming over. It might just be yourself. Or failing that, uh, it might be that you've got a houseful, a houseful of people coming over. And in which case you really need to prepare. You've got to remember, haven't you? You've got to have the bowl of satsumas in the corner. And you've got to make sure if you've got sort of, you know, some, I mean, I think there's going to be about eight or nine of us tomorrow, I think. And then God knows how many there's going to be on Boxing Day. I really can't remember. Um, And so you've got to make sure you've got satsumas in the bowl. You've got to have a big bowl of Quality Street because people eat Quality Street at Christmas, and it's the different coloured wrappers. It's not the same as celebration, is it? Not the same. Phil, Phil says, always up early, lots to do. I said yesterday, somebody said to me, do you not sort of feel the effects of getting up at four in the morning? I said, well, I don't get up at four, I get up at one in the morning. You know, because, and also, I said, it, the earlier you are up, the more stuff you can get done, and this is the best time of day to do things. This is the only time of day, you know, you're not plagued by the phone ringing or sort of traffic or anything. It's nice and quiet. And believe you me, it's very quiet out there. Very, very quiet out there this morning, which I quite like. But it's only because people have been out and they're going, right, so there won't be anything open on Christmas Day. There will be. There'll be pubs open for doing Christmas lunches. They've all decided that you can, you can capitalise on the Christmas lunch market and it's much easier. And people go, oh, blow it. Let's, let's go to the pub. Let's let somebody else cook it. Excuse me, quite of a slurp of tea. I get into trouble for this. There'll be always one person who can write in and say, would you mind not slurping your tea? So in which case, I always say I do it deliberately. You know, if it annoys you, I'm determined to do it. And the more you write in about it, the more I shall do it. Fatal mistake for me. Ah, delicious. Can't beat a cup of tea. You seriously can't beat a cup of tea. Uh, Stephen E17 says, I cried my eyes out watching It's a Wonderful Life. Wuss. What's the matter with people? Actually, I started crying last night at the circuit. We, we, we did this thing. And, um, and it was uh, Catherine's other half, whose uh, father is not very well, but he's a listener to this programme with his wife. And so they said, would you do a little video message on the phone? Because I've done quite a few of those recently. And I said, I tell you what, at the end of the Magic Circle show, let me do a thing in the theatre with all the people there. And then what we'll do, and I said to all the people in the theatre, I said, I'm going to do this little thing to them saying, listen, this is Steve Allen, have a very Merry Christmas, etc., etc. I said, then we'll turn the camera around to you and I'll say, and all these people want to say something to you. And so we got the whole audience to go, Merry Christmas, which was just, I mean, it was, it was a moment. It was the moment at the end of It's a Wonderful Life where everything comes good and everybody comes round and gives their money and it's just sensational and it makes you cry. And so we did this yesterday and I said to them, hi, you both. 
And uh, this is Steve Allen. I said, I'm sorry I can't be with you. I said, but I wish you the happiest of Christmases and everything else. I said, but I'm in the Magic Circle Theatre. I said, I've got some people who want to want to say something to you. And we turned the camera around and they all went, Happy Christmas, and waved and clapped and everything else. And it was just a moment. It was fantastic. It was just brilliant. So I hope that they both like it. Because he's not been very well. The father has not been very well. Tamara Eccleston. I wish she wasn't very well. She's beginning to get on my nerves. Seriously. Do you know what she's done now? Apart from showing her vulgarity in that TV programme where she shows you how much money she's got. Like, I couldn't give a forex how much money she's got. She can sit there and bathe in £50 notes as far as I'm concerned. But don't ram it down people's throats who don't have very much money and don't have anything. You know, people who are living in doorways. It's like Fern McCann. Oh, it's been a dreadful year. I tell you what, dear, come up to London. We'll show you people lying in doorways, you know, who have got drug problems, things like that. And you think you've had a bad year. Let me tell you, love, your year has been nothing. You had unprotected sex with a criminal who's just been caught out in prison with a little mobile phone. He's the thickest bloke ever, but he's in prison for 20 years, so that's good news, isn't it? And she then takes the kid in there to say you're never going to see your child ever again. I don't think you can do that, dear. He's, uh, he's the father of the child. But anyway, Tamara Eccleston, of course, being Tamara Eccleston and being, you know, as I say, that vulgar woman, she's got an advent calendar. This is quite a big advent calendar. It looks like it's made out of wood. And in one of the doors, there's a live puppy. She has a live... And she thinks that people are going to think this is really great. You must be the thickest person I've ever met in my life. Who do you think is going to think that sticking a live puppy inside a little, you know, thing that you open is, is a brilliant idea? No. No. I just feel sorry for the puppy that's in your house. It'll be dressed up over Christmas, won't it? I could just tell, and I don't like people dressing dogs up. Sorry about that. Just me. Millions of feet. People will face travel chaos on the roads today because it'll all be getting where you're going quick. Got to get to Auntie Winifred's because she's doing, um, you know, Christmas and it's, it's lovely and it's going to be good. And you've got to stop her before she starts sucking the chocolate off Brazil nuts and, uh, and then puts them back in the bowl again. People do that. But all you've got to make sure today is you've done all the, all the present wrapping, You've done, all, you've done the labels. I did that one year. Wrapped all these. I thought it'd been really good. Wrapped them all up and everything else. And I got to the end and I went, oh, God, I forgot to put the labels on. And by that time, I'd completely forgotten what I bought. So I had to unwrap them all again. And they found out what they were. And then re now I learnt how to do Christmas. Christmas is easy if you do it the Steve Allen way. You go to Amazon. First of all, you ask the people, what do you want? Perfume. Which one? Pleasure. Okay. So you go to Amazon, you type in the thing, then you have it sent to, in this case, it goes to my brother. He wraps them. He puts labels on. I just turn up. I don't have to wrap anything. I don't have to buy paper. And with my godchildren, exactly the same. Their mum will sort of say to me, they, they, they'd like this, this. And I go, well, I'll buy that for Charlotte, that for that, that, that for that. And then I take down, there'll be a little bit of money inside an envelope. I said, done, done. I don't need to actually wrap any presents. My, my brother's got Loads of things. You know, he always gets loads of presents, as you know from me. I always take sort of stuff down. And thank you, incidentally, for all the presents that have been sent in here. You know, we've had lovely, lovely presents. And there was another sack full of presents I came into today. So it's like every day over the festive season is Christmas for me. So I'm very grateful. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, we will talk this morning about uh, Leon. He was the grumpy old man from Gogglebox. He, uh, he was a bit like that. Didn't like anything that was on the television. Anyway, the baby Jesus decided he wanted him for a sunbeam, so uh, so he took him. I didn't even know he was one of the original people out of the show, because I only, only kind of came to it late. 
And I don't really understand it anyway, because they obviously go around to these people's houses, they set up a camera, and they give them a DVD, they plug the DVD in, because otherwise you'd have to have camera crews all over the place. And, of course, it's a cheap programme to do. You just find people to do it, then they become famous through doing that. Mind you, Tina Malone has become quite famous in the paper today, just been uh, dropped from pantomime. <laughs> Little problem with some Colombian, I gather, which is, you know, fairy dust in her book. What is it with people nowadays? What is it? I must be... I kept thinking I was either very old-fashioned or just a bit out of touch. You know, somebody said to me, I think we've discussed it on the programme, would you ever do drugs? And I said, absolutely not. I do enough, you know, prescribed drugs as part of my medication. But I wouldn't... I can't think of anything worse than wasting money by shoving it up your nose. So, in other words, you spend 60 quid, because it's always been 60 quid. It's never changed in all the years. Somebody said to me, how much is a gram of coke? You get 60 quid. It's 60 quid. And so people buy it, and some people get through it very quickly. Some people ruin their lives with it. Some people go into it and then get out of it as quick as possible, realising that the slippery slope is a very slippery slope, and you can spend an awful lot of money. You know, you hear of people... Look at Daniela Westbrook. There's a waste of space. How much did, did she say it was costing her a week? Hundreds, if not thousands of pounds on cocaine. And what does she end up, you know, doing? Nothing. Nothing at all. What do you end up with? Nothing. False economy. So I was always quite grateful that uh, by the time cocaine took off, I was way too old for it. Imagine, old man of my age going, I had a, I had a line of coke today. People would think I was mad. They seem to accept the Prosecco, of which I did have a couple of glasses when I got back in last night. OK, quick time check, because I know you worry about it, and I'm rubbish at time checks. In fact, I'm so bad at time checks, it's mentioned in dispatches. They always go, he can't give the right time. Because I always go, listen, if you're, if you're going to catch a train or a bus this morning, you've missed it, all right? Don't rely on this programme. I'm just here as part of the entertainment at 5.20. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. I like all Christmas jingles. It's funny, isn't it? Over the years, you, you sort of tend to sort of listen to things and they kind of wash over you. But at Christmas time, they stand out. So I always listen to them. It's quite nice hearing your name with a piece of sort of festive type music. I always like that. Uh, text and emails this morning, 84850, uk. Uh, somebody says, uh, milk is not good for vocal cords. No, I, I know that. But the trouble is it was delicious. To drink it is delicious. And when your throat is, you know, a little bit raspy, you'll do anything. You'll do anything at all to get rid of a, of a bad throat. But because it's doing the rounds, there will be many of you who will have a miserable, blooming Christmas. And there's nothing you can do about it. Absolutely nothing you could do about it. You've just got to wait till it works its way through. But you will get to that stage after about day number four, where you've really had enough of it. And you think to yourself, what can I do? I mean, I tend to buy throat sprays. You know, I've done the chloroseptics, and I'm using one at the moment, which was recommended by uh, by my... Uh, uh, doctors, what's the thing? Well, actually, it was recommended by by the chemist. It's called Diflam spray, and uh, in fact, not much of it left. Actually, I should have to buy another one today. But uh, this one's very good. But what I do is, it's got a nozzle on it, and I aim that literally down my throat. So it, it, I try and get to the vocal cords as quick as possible. But it's the only thing out of everything that I've tried, which sort of gives you a little bit of relief. It's not total relief, but it just makes you feel a little bit better about the whole thing. And also, I've started sucking strepsils as well, but I don't like to do too many of those, because some of them are like, blow your socks off. More of your texts and emails, and uh, I'd like to wish you and all the listeners a very Merry Christmas. Uh, above all, Auntie Enid, hope she's well. Well, she's well, but she doesn't know she's well. That's the thing. You know she's been in a care home now for... Quite a number of years. I mean, it's nothing matter with it. We just decided to put her in there. And uh, anyway, she can't go home. We've sold the house and uh, and all her furniture. And the car's gone as well. But anyway, I mean, she doesn't know that. 
She's quite happy where she is. Do you know that uh, June Whitfield's in a home as well? She deliberately booked herself in. She said, because it's good company. She's 92. 92. Looks amazing. I met some amazing people yesterday. Somebody says, the cough is a royal pain. I've still got it. Sarah, but the chest infection's gone, thankfully. Looking forward to your Christmas Day show. Me too. Which is only tomorrow, incidentally. I've got no idea what we're doing, but it doesn't matter. So it's later. You can have a little bit of a lie-in tomorrow, because I'm here at, uh, at 7 o'clock. Jem uh, Jem in Ilford says, Dr Johnson, of Gough Square fame, was big on tea and got through a lot of it. I love it. Uh, and Mick says, of course there are UFOs. They bring the cheese from the moon. Having a drink early. Uh, totally concur regarding uh, the uh, the old Jersey milk, Steve, and every now-and-again treat, yeah, like once a year, I think, the pleasure you get drinking it must counteract the hideous calorie content, says Kim. Have you tried Lady Grey tea? Oh, yes. I'm a, I'm a Twinings expert. I love Twinings tea. I got into it. A lot of people don't like Earl Grey. Or late. You know why? Why? Because they say it's too perfumed. They don't like it because it's perfume. Whereas, you know, that people like a tea that they can taste like sort of a, a builder's kind of a tea. Where I can't do that. Anything that stains the cup is something that I avoid like the, uh, like the plague. Uh, Sue says, slurp away. It sounds even more like you're in my kitchen. Everybody slurps. Everybody slurps tea. I do it just to wind people up. Especially, as I say, especially if somebody says to me, it's really, it's really very vulgar and rude. I do it deliberately. I do it deliberately just to really be annoying. Because I quite like that, actually. And uh, happy Christmas, Steve. Just want to say you're the, the best. And somebody says, I've got to get out of my warm bed now to make the tea, says Adrian. Isn't, but I'll tell you what, once you're out of bed, make the bed. Well, actually, I don't make the bed. I turn, turn the duvet back and, uh, and then leave it. And then, so when you get into it later in the day, it's all cool and it's lovely. But uh, I never, never make the bed straight away. But I do turn it, but I do try and leave it so it looks a little bit, um, a little bit nice. You know, just, a, I don't know. It's one of those strange things, isn't it? Uh, Sue, Dave and Alex from Dagenham. A big thank you to the Magic Circle. We went to a Christmas show last night. Their shows are amazing. The whole experience is fascinating. Yep, that was it. We, we, we were all there in the afternoon. So all the LBC uh, listeners were there in the afternoon and we all had a nice time and uh, we had a little competition. And we, it was just, it was super. It was really nice and they all worked very hard down there. And I think uh, they finished their shows now and I think they've got shows from Wednesday of next week. But uh, they're very difficult to get tickets for. Mine sell out very quickly. Very quickly. Mainly because it's a nice sort of meeting of all the LBC listeners, which is good. Uh, the best cure for a sore head apparently is a fry-up. How many times have we said that? How many times? A fry-up is great. Uh, Dancing on Ice starts shortly. If you know the celebrities, do do actually tell us, because we've got no idea. No idea whatsoever who half of them are. I mean, it really, it's almost embarrassing. Almost embarrassing. Uh, Phil Vickery. I'd love to know what he's doing at this time of the morning. Are you actually dressed? Oh, you must be, I suppose, yeah. (laughs) Stupid question. Are you actually dressed? Of course he's dressed. Of course he's dressed. That's why you can't just wander around the house half naked, can you? But uh, he says here... Well, I've lost it. Apparently, there is only 2% more fat in gold top than normal. So you could argue that it's 94% fat-free. <laughs> I wish. I wish I could. It is, it is delicious, though. Ice cold, it's delicious. Uh, Kevin delivered the first one to us, and then I discovered one in Waitrose, which I think is... I can't remember the name of the farm. It comes from, from Jersey Cows. And, oh, God, it was lovely. It was so nice. Out of all the things you could have, ice-cold Jersey milk was like the absolute indulgence. The kind of thing you drink it and you just get guilt pangs. 
guilt pangs. Listen, we only have two hours on this programme. Well, actually, now we've got an hour and a half. So we are going to do the uh, the papers. We're famous for doing the papers. Uh, we tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. If the papers make it up, then very naughty they are too. But I don't think anything is made up in the papers for today. There's, uh, there's a load of stories about, um, about uh, George's uh, death still haunting us. This is George Michael. Still no, no memorial. Now, I know that you have to wait for about six months for the earth to set when you do anything like that. But, I mean, this has been a year, a year now, and there should be something there. Uh, we don't know how much he left in the will. They're saying about £105 million. I thought he would have been worth more than that. He was very generous. He gave away loads in his lifetime. But the family is saying that they're going to keep it secret. I thought, well, we can't. It's a company. We should ha- be able to see all of that. And uh, no doubt we will. Uh, another picture of Louise. Dreary, boring, dull, give it up now, go home. Uh, she sings for Strictly's Kevin. And I thought, oh, right, well, they said she was doing a concert. No, 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 no. No, she was, um, she was singing at G.A.Y. Not quite the same thing, is it, really? But uh, tea in bed, says Phil. Keep trying to get dressed, but you keep distracting me. <laughs> tea in bed, honestly. My father, when I was at school years ago, my fa- that was my father's thing. He would wake up in the morning, he'd go downstairs, he'd make, uh, make a, a tea for himself, and he'd sit there at the kitchen table with his pipe listening to the radio. And, uh, and then he'd bring us up a cup of tea, and he'd go, Stephen, cup of tea, need to get up, because uh, you had to get ready to go to school. Now, bearing in mind, in the early days, you didn't have a shower or a bath every day, because there wasn't enough water in the immersion heater. So it was basically only a Friday. So it was what we used to call, and still call it now, a strip wash, you know, where you fill up the basin, and that's about as far as it goes. And he'd bring up the cup of tea, and you go, thanks. The moment he'd gone out of the room, I was asleep again. And so he'd then, Stephen? Oh, God. And she'd wait, yeah. Are you awake? Well, I'm talking to you. Who else do you think it is? And so then you sort of you go to sip the tea, and by that time it had a skin on the top of it, and it was cold, and it was very unexciting. And I said, the tea's cold. And he said, well, it wasn't when I brought it up. And I thought, I'm obviously being spoiled. People make me cups of tea. People do that now. People do that now. People always inquire, do you need to sit down? We had it the other day. We went, but we went to... I've discovered... I'll tell you about it after the news. I discovered a hotel I've never been to before. Seriously, never been to it, and I thought it was quite interesting. But uh, people always say to me, are you all right? Do you need to sit down? I go, yeah, I'll have a little sit-down, yeah. Because after I've eaten, for some reason, it makes me a little bit sort of more tired than I would be normally. And so we stopped on the way to this hotel, which I'll tell you about in a second. And, uh, and, was, and so people just accept that's what I do now. Unfortunately, I've decided, I think I start playing on it. I start going, oh, a little, little rest would be nice. But I think, seriously, I probably do need the rest. OK, LBC News time, 5.30 in a tiny bit, with the headlines, Simon Conway. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. It's Christmas Eve. It's the eve of Christmas. It doesn't matter whether you believe in it or you partake in the fairy tale or, you know, or you just sort of don't buy into it. It doesn't make any difference, actually. It makes no difference. As long as you do something over the festive season. You just want to put your feet up, watch telly. Put your feet up, watch telly. Don't do anything at all. You know, it, it, it really doesn't matter. The whole idea about this time of year is, well, we were told by one of the... Uh, one of the clergy, weren't we? Oh, we should close all the shops down and it should be a family time. And I'm going, why don't you mind your own business? Why do people insist on telling us how to run our lives? You know, you might be a single person, you know, and you don't want all the shops to be closed. You know, so you can go and spend time with family. You might, not want, you might hate your family. We might not have any family to go and spend time with. And, and so that's, that's the problem. I hate it when the church gets involved with things. Mind your own blooming business. Please. So anyway, so this hotel. So we go out, um, we go to Joe Allen's, we have a lovely time, as always. 
And um, I must be getting a little bit too well known in there because when I when I book a table, when I arrive at it, it's either got a bottle of champagne there in an ice bucket or a bottle of Prosecco. What that says about my lifestyle, I have no idea, but it was very pleasant. Anyway, so the boys go off to the Palladium, but we go to a hotel which is near the back door, the stage door of the Palladium. And it used to be, apparently, a courthouse. And so you go in, it's a hotel now, and um, it's... It's got cells. They've still got the cells there. You can book a cell out and have it as your own private little room. So there's got about six or seven seats in the cell and a toilet. But obviously you can't use the toilet. And they do have a sign in there playing, please do not use the toilet. And uh, and so you can book the cell. There was nobody in there. We were the only ones in there on Friday. And uh, so we said, can we just sit in a cell? We only sat in there for about five minutes, a wee bit claustrophobic. And so then we sat in the actual sort of foyer of the hotel. It was lovely. It was really nice. I can't tell you what it was called. It could be called the courthouse or something like that. Uh, from, uh, from Chris in Weybridge, he says, I listen to you every morning. I've just made myself a ginger and lemon tea. Oh, that sounds a bit unadventurous, doesn't it? Mind you, are in Weybridge. It's probably considered quite good. Um, uh, my dad, says Phil Vickery, used to get up and light the fire. So when we came down for tea in the morning, it was... Yeah, you see, we had, a, we had, a, we, we had what's called a Rayburn... Have you ever heard of a Rayburn? And it was some... Yes, yes, but it didn't cook food. This one only did... Um, because we didn't have central heating. So you had to lay the fire. So you had to sort of pull the thing backwards and forwards. And then you had to get the, the little brush and pan. Take all the ashes. Then go and empty them out. Sometimes you throw them on the garden, which was OK. And then you um, you get newspaper. We used to have a big pile of newspapers. You scrunch them up into a ball. Put them in there. Then you put kindling wood on the top and then you put some coal or coke or whatever it was you had. And then you lit the thing. If it didn't work, you had to start all over blooming again. Oh, it was dreadful. But that was what we had. We didn't have central heating and it was lovely. And Phil says exactly the same. He said it was warm when we came down for tea in the morning. He says, I can still hear him shoveling in the coal. Great memories. The worst thing was we had a, an outhouse in the garden in Yorkshire with a stone floor and we had a metal shovel. And the sound of the metal shovel... Uh, on the stone floor is the is that sound that will grate with you for the rest of your life. You know, like you always get kids in classrooms and they scrape their nails down the blackboard or down a... Oh, dear. It's like people bending their fingers till they crack. Anything like that drives me crackers. But I always remember that stone floor, the metal shovel and the coal scuttle to put the coal... And it was freezing. We had an outdoor toilet. An outdoor toilet. I mean, I'm, we must have been living in the dark ages where we were. Outdoor toilet. Um, uh, Merry Christmas to you, says Dean, your producers and fellow 4AM spikers. I met a few yesterday. Uh, Bunny says uh, it's Graham's milk, very high protein. I make my northern trifle custard with it. Still upset I didn't get tickets for the magic circle. But, uh, yeah, what do you have to try next year? Have to try. It's always worth coming. It's a lovely, it's a lovely afternoon. It really is. Uh, Stevie says Jersey top milk. Try it fresh, straight from the cow for breakfast. Unfortunately, we don't have many Jersey cows around my way. We're a little bit short on those ones. I've, I'll ask him Waitrose if they can bring one in for us. <laughs> Axel sent us uh, very happy Christmas greetings, which is nice. Uh, pastels for your throat. Tom Jones swears by them. Says Viv, which is vocal zone. I have them. I have them already. Because if if you cannot talk or you cannot sing, you are completely, as they say in the business, screwed. You're up that very short creek without the paddle. Uh, Steve, yesterday, says Eddie, I was a bit bored at work, so I was looking at some things in the past that used to make me laugh. And my sides are still sore from laughing at you on Five's company when Margarita Prakatan, Prakatan, 
was showing her interest in you. It was hilarious. Your thoughts, please. Uh, I've still got it. It's on YouTube. I think it just. I think it's Steve Allen and Margarita Prakatan. She chased me off set, but in my earpiece, I went, Steve, back on set, back on set. Because once you wander off set, they, they don't know where you've gone to. They have no idea. Uh, somebody reckons that Jersey Top Milk with porridge sounds quite nice. Yes, I'm not a big porridge fan. I wish I, I, wish I was, but, uh, but I'm not. I've had it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I've, you know, I've had most cereals, but porridge is sort of OK. Anyway, so who is making the newspapers for today? OK, whizzing through. Louise, back on song. She was in G.A.Y. I don't know why that would be such a big career move for her. Loads of people go to G.A.Y. The reason Jeremy Joseph pays really well. So this was her first solo gig in 15 years. She's a bit old for that. I don't want to be rude, but I mean, she's a bit old for it. She was in Eternal. She was never the main one in Eternal. She was just sort of the la la at the back kind of thing. And so she takes Kevin to G.A.Y. And she has her backing singers and, and all the rest. But I mean, apart from that, I mean, does she really think she's launching another career again? It's, I watched, there was a lovely piece on Westlife on the television the other day. And, and I was thinking that to, collectively they were all lovely. Good looking, youthful, beautiful videos, nicely shot, all very clever, camera work and everything else. And then the moment the, the group split, because I think it starts with Brian leaving and then gradually it sort of winds down. And, and then they all try solo careers and it doesn't quite work. Didn't work for the Spice Girls. They all tried little solo careers and it just didn't didn't really work. You know, only as a group were they successful. And so I think you might see uh, Westlife coming back again. Biggins reckons that there should be a concert for George Michael. It's a year on now. It's a a year on. And uh, Faddy as well. They're still trying to make out that, you know, there's some rift between Faddy. This is with George's naff cousin, who turns up like sort of a bad smell to sort of start spreading all these... He knows nothing, absolutely nothing at all. He just sort of does it because they go, oh, right, you're George's cousin, so you must have known him really well. Yeah, he did at one time, but that was ages ago. Ages ago. Uh, also, uh, the question was, have you seen my little bag of snow? It's showbiz snow. That's what Tina Malone asked the cast before being cautioned by the police for drugs. So she's been dropped from the pantomime. That's what the papers say. That's it. There's quite a few people been dropped this year from pantomime. There's the, um, there was a little Sandra from Gogglebox. She was dropped, mainly because she had a slight problem with alcohol and they decided it was easier to sort of let her get... You can't have people in pantomime. It's for children. It's for children, you know. And then, she, yeah, and then she claimed she was home. She's got a daughter with a house. And you think, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. She's earned good money from, as a result of sitting down eating on television and watching a DVD of a programme, which all you've got to do is, is, is comment on. And so she's done, you know, the nightclub. She's earned, you know, the thousands here, thousands there. And then all of a sudden it vanishes. Why? Because apparently she was very generous to her friends. Well, more fool you. More fool you. I'm afraid I have no sympathy whatsoever. It makes me harsh, but, you know, that's kind of me at the moment. Uh, Bruce's widow, this is uh, Wilnelia, has flown back to her Caribbean home for Christmas because that's what uh, Brucey would have wanted I thought I watched the Royal Variety performance. I don't like to say it. It wasn't half as good this year. It's been in previous years. I'm sure Miranda's very lovely and very nice, but not the ideal host. Uh, Too much interaction with the Royal Box, which has never happened before. You do not interact with the Royal Box. The whole idea is they're there. If that had been the Queen sitting there and somebody had started talking to her from the stage, well, they'd never appear on television ever again. You don't do it. Don't do it at all. Uh, Lovely picture of uh, my friend Alid. My family is everything to me. And he talks of his Christmas. So he's such a nice guy. 
He's such a nice guy. He really is. Uh, also, Leon dies, the Scouse favourite. He wasn't a favourite at all. He was a miserable little so-and-so. I, thought, I mean, I don't, why are they so call him a favourite? We always call somebody a favourite when they die, don't we? He was 83, though. I thought he was a good 83. Although, actually, you know, once, once you're dead, I mean, it makes no difference whether they say you're a good 83 or a good 86. It doesn't make any difference. But I thought he looked good. Good for his age. That's what they always say, don't they? They go, he looks so well. Next day, nothing. Bake Off Candice, you've had your five minutes of fame, love. OK, that's it, finished. I'm getting skates on for my wedding. You won't know who she is. If you never watched the Bake Off programme, you won't have the faintest idea. She won it and she's desperate to be famous. Uh, also, the street stars so ready for an ice break. This is uh, well-known failure, Anthony Cotton. I say failure because they tried him on a chat show. Unfortunately, it's not an easy thing to do. I think everybody thinks now, I'll either be... There's a, there's a columnist in one of the papers today. She's, uh, she's doing a bit of radio. I don't know why people think you just walk into radio and it's just you just sit down and talk. Because unless you know how it works, and this columnist hasn't got the faintest idea. I mean, she can't even work television, so God knows how she's managing radio. But uh, she's another one of those sort of people that think, well, i better try that so it gives me another string to my bow. Well, you've seen them over the years. I've seen loads of people. And Anthony Cotton had a TV show. It was dire. It was absolutely dire. And I think in the end they just went, it's not really working, is it? You know, just because it's another gay boy on the television. You know, I mean, nowadays it's, it's been overtaken by lesbians on the television. There's more sort of open gay women on television now, which kind of redresses the balance. Up until then, it was sort of the Alan Carrs. You began to wonder, having seen Alan Carr, just how gay it could ever get. I mean, seriously, I used to think with sort of Kenneth Williams, he was, he was a bit arch. And then other people used to play gay, and I thought that was quite funny, including people I never even thought were gay in the first place. Uh, also, we're back, Vic and Bob. Which is good. I quite like Vic and Bob. They're good. Do you know, 25 years. 25 years <clears throat> on, uh, on television. A mum who struggles to dress has been told, get a job. Uh, she had a cervical cancer operation. Has been told she's fit for work. I mean, you know, there must. I always think maybe somebody's not fit for work, but there must be something people can do. You know, just giving somebody benefits to sit there all the time, that's just wasting your life away, isn't it? You'd think people would want to do something. Uh, also... Away in a menagerie. Who could this be? Paul O'Grady. It's Christmas. He's got a new uh, husband uh, who's called uh, Andre. Uh, he's got his daughter and the grandkids, and he's got ten animals. Ten. He absolutely adores his animals. Somebody said to me a short while ago, they said, what's he like? I said, what you see is what you get. What you see is what you get. And, uh, and, and he's good at it. That's why his, his autobiographies sell more than anybody's, because they're an honest account. Not some old trash that you get from some of them. Uh, whose is the top calendar? People go out and buy celebrity calendars every year. Normally I get sent a box of them. At number 10 is Elvis. Elvis is still marketable after all these years. Ollie Mers is number 9. There's a, a piece in one of the papers today saying Ollie Mers has found a new girlfriend. Yeah, like the Melanie Sykes thing was true. Not. Take That are at number 8. Still popular in the calendar stakes. Uh, Gary Barlow beats them at number seven. But there again, he was, he was always the one. Robbie Williams is at number six. That won't go down well, will it? Tom Hardy is at number five. I believe he's an actor, but I couldn't swear to it. I'm assuming he's an actor. Uh, Kelly Brook is number four. Lovely. Just don't ask her. Just don't talk to her. It is like talking to a wall. When she did The Big Breakfast, they had to change the auto cue because she couldn't do big words. So they had to change them all for smaller words that she might understand a bit more. Kylie Minogue is at number three. Number two is Cliff. Cliff Richard. He just, he just never ending. Never ending. And so his is the second 
top-selling celeb calendar, above all those other people, proving that he really is one of our favourite people. And number one is Little Minx. Mix. And, uh, and they're there. So that's lovely, isn't it? They'll be wearing another lot of trashy outfits. Do you see what they were wearing the other day? On the town. I don't mind on stage wearing trashy outfits because that's, that's the whole nature of the business. You know, you have to wear things that you look at them and you go, you wouldn't wear that on the street, would you? They would. They went to a party the other day. I seriously thought, you don't wear stuff like that on the streets, even for a party. And of course, when you realise that when they go out, they're just wearing ordinary clothes and they look quite ordinary. They have to sort of go out now with the full war paint on and these sort of crop tops. I've not worn a crop top in ages. Ages. Because I've got to that age where it's just not right. Walk down the street with your stomach hanging over. I mean, it just looks ridiculous. There was one of those police programmes on the telly the other day. And there was a woman there. She was drunk, surprisingly. And she had on a pink velour tracksuit with the pink crop top on. And she was just wrecked. Completely wrecked. And it was just... But she was so fat. And because she had this crop top on, it just looked awful. You just cannot wear it. We had a Rayburn, Steve, but ours had uh, Hobbs and an oven less posh than an Arga. So agree with you about Tamara Eccleston, says Pat. I mean, have you ever seen such vulgarity in your entire life? Did you ever meet Rod Hallenemu? Uh Says Sarah. I didn't. No, I didn't. I knew stories of him. He was a dreadful flirt. I mean, he was a terrible flirt. <laughs> really bad flirt. Very, very bad. Uh, Steve, we too had an outdoor toilet and uh, and the water in the bowl used to freeze. Well, it did do, these outside toilets. Oh, dear. Newspaper on a, on a, on a nail behind the door. And, uh, yes, Great Marlborough Street Magistrates Court, the hotel used to be, Steve. It's been a hotel about ten years around the corner from the Palladium. And there's one in Bow Street, says Des. I loved it. I thought it was quite nice. Also, I liked it because it wasn't packed solid. I don't like doing packed solid bars. I'm just, I'm rubbish at things like that. I get claustrophobic. Not very good at all. Twelve minutes to six. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Certainly is Christmas Eve. I mean, my advice and Phil Vickery's advice would be exactly the same. Get up now. Get up now. Because the idea is what you want to do, this is how you this is how you plan your day. If you need to go out and do any shopping, like you might need to come into Twickenham if you've ordered a turkey from Sandy's. They had a queue yesterday. Today's queue will be even bigger. It'll snake up the high street, people collecting their Norfolk turkeys. Loads of money in Twickenham. Loads of money. And uh, I might even nip in and see him a little bit later on myself. And get up, get out there, you know, get parked up, get the stuff that you need and get back home again. Then you can put your feet up. It's called planning. You have to do it every year. And every year the stars do pantomime. And for some reason, I don't know whether she does, does she do a column in this paper? She might do a column in the Sunday Mirror. They reckon that Colleen Nolan is earning 200000 for her pantomime. I shouldn't think so. She can't sing. She certainly can't dance. And, uh, and her acting ability is practically zero. They say, for a six-week stint as Cinderella's fairy godmother in Bradford, she's going to pick up £200,000. That's what they say. I don't believe she'll get anything like that, but that's just me. Uh, Julian Clary at the Palladium, they say, is said to be on 192,000, a spirit of the bells for the run. Um, I should imagine the Palladium pantomime is the most expensive. I mean, Colleen, I mean, admittedly, bigger costumes, I suppose, so perhaps you might have to spend a bit more money. They reckon Elaine Page will earn up to 160,000. Uh, Beverly Knight, making the same as Colleen in Fairy Godmother in Birmingham. And, um... Uh, Bradley Walsh, they say 120,000 for Panto Rolls. Craig Revel Horwood, 100,000. They're just making this up. 
They don't actually know what these people are earning. They're, they're basing it on previous experiences because I don't believe that Brian Connolly and Bradley Walsh, two seasoned veterans, are earning less than Colleen Nolan. I mean, Lord above her dressing room. I mean, God, honestly. And also then, uh, what have we got here? The Goss with Helena Watts. Uh, this is the one that tells you that Harry Styles is earning 60 grand a day. I don't know how he can earn... Well, from what? What can he earn? They say here... Uh, the balance sheet for his company, Erskine Records, has just dropped, showing £20 million earnings over an 11-month period. Really? Not heavens above. They say he's had two cracking years with the release of his self-titled album, uh, following a single. He's also toured the world. Well, I suppose it could be likely. but uh, And also he was in uh, Dunkirk. 60 grand a day. Do we believe that? I don't know. And then there's a picture of somebody, I didn't even know they were still, still going, called Chelsea Healy who's apparently only 29. Who's Chelsea? Do you not know who Chelsea Healy is? Um, well, I'm, I'm also shocked she's 20. I'm looking at the picture of her. They say um, she's sort of going out, dressed as... She looks like a box of quality string. She's... I thought it was Nancy Delolio. I mean, look, that's 29. I mean, that is a really old... you 29 as well. You see, well, I'm only a little bit older than you. <laughs> but, I mean, what... What has she done to herself? Uh, if you're listening, Chelsea, and nobody knows exactly who you are around here, so I'm just sort of kind of explaining it to you, you need to get some help. You're 29. You're looking... Ve- you're an old 29. I seriously thought... I mean, I don't know whether you smoke, because smoking does age people. I know that because I've spoken to doctors before, and I can always spot smokers. You can hear it or you can see, sort of see it. But if you're 29, you're looking about 50. You need to do that programme on the television. You know whether they show a picture of you to somebody and then you go, how old do you think this woman is? And the woman will be like sort of 33 and people go, 48? And you think, oh, right. But Chelsea, I'm sorry, dear. I mean, your star burnt out a long while ago, we know. But 29, I mean, either you're back counting and you're really 92 or failing that, something's gone horribly wrong, which is a little bit worrying, isn't it? You don't look older than your years. Although when you're young, you, d- you don't mind doing things like that, do you? Which is good. Uh, hard Day's Night, Ringo Starr is made a sir. Now, either somebody's leaked this because the list is not available till, I think Simon Conway said it was about the 29th. Uh, before you even get a hint of the list. So somebody somewhere has gone, oh, guess who's got a knighthood? I don't know why we'd give it to Ringo Starr. He doesn't even live in this country. But I suppose they sit there going, um, OK, we've got some knighthoods to give away. Who was it who was after one the other day? Oh, David, David, the interesting one, Beckham. And uh, so he, he wants a knighthood. Because didn't he call them all a very rude word? Because he didn't get it last time round. I can't repeat the word, obviously, quite clearly, because it was way too rude for this programme. But he, he, Dave had a bit of a tantrum, you know, stamped his foot like that. Because he didn't, he didn't get the knighthood. You think, oh, God, for, for doing what? Advertising underpants and whiskey. Please don't tell me it's for services to football. You've had an award for that. You've earned a load of money. Mind you, at the moment, I mean, her, her company needs propping up, doesn't it? They're getting a bit worried there. Very worried. But anyway, uh, what else we got? Uh, Apple Voice butts in on a Shakespeare play. This is Siri or not Siri. OK. Well, I quite like it because we have Alexa outside. And I always go... Alexa, play Chris Rea, you know, and, I, and, I always do, and sometimes it comes to like, and it, and people get that. I get people writing in going, well, you shut it, shut it with the Alexa stuff. Because every time you mention it, the thing comes to life, which is always quite good. Uh, there's a lovely picture here. You won't know who, who she is. Her name is Dutzen Chris. And uh, who is she? Well, she's wearing underwear. 
OK? She's, she's sort of like the foreign version of the British Page 3 girls, because the Page 3 girl is kind of a bit extinct now. It's a bit dated, and so she's a Victoria's Secret model. That means they just do underwear. That's, that's all Victoria's Secret models do. They do underwear. Unless you're Molly King, in which case Molly... I mean, isn't this the oddest thing? This is the oddest thing. So you get Molly King on the front of TV Life magazine. Molly, I love being in love, and here she is posing in bra and knickers. OK, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, she's 30. She's, you know, practically sitting on a shelf all by herself at the moment because she didn't do well on the Strictly Dancing programme. The um, the other programme she recorded for Channel 4, Crystal Maze, she was dire on that. She uh, she hasn't had a career, basically, in the business for ages and ages. And then, so she, she's got all these pictures inside of her posing in her underwear and scanties and all the rest of it. And the headline is, I'm not a sex symbol. I'm a dork. Well, why are you posing like this then? I mean, either you think that the people who sort of follow you and go, oh, I think you're really great, are really stupid. But, um, you know, she, she, she says, this is what I want in a man. I should imagine Pulse would be top of the list for you, Molly. But, you know, if you come up with something stupid, like I'm not a sex... Are we supposed to buy into this? Because, frankly, we're not. OK, all right, you're not a sex symbol, then stop accepting these gigs. I did say to you before, didn't I? I mean, I realised that, obviously, it, it fell on deaf ears. But you should find yourself a job. Sainsbury's are looking for people at the moment. Tesco's are looking for people. You can either do till or you can do shelf stacking. And if you become good, you could move up to sort of in charge of your own aisle or everything, you know, like that. Find a career, because the thing you're wasting your time at the moment, you're 30, you've just done... Stri- There's nothing left for you. There's nothing left at all. You need to find something that's, you know, going to take you, you know, into... Because the one thing that people don't do in show business is they don't prepare for the time when there is no work. And they go, oh, I haven't got any work. Oh, I'm bankrupt or I'm this and that. And you go, it's because you didn't plan for it. It's no good playing celebrity. And so she's modelling underwear. She won't earn diddly squat for things like that. I always find it a little bit, a little bit worried. But somebody needs to advise them. On, on where you go for the future. Because otherwise, you'll be the one, tw- you know, oh, I'll write a book about my experiences in Girls Aloud or whatever it was. And, but we go, not really interested. We're really not interested, you know. So find something which would be good. Having Acid Thug's baby made life so much better. This is the first story of Fern Interesting McCann, who apparently has had a terrible year, terrible year, because she had unprotected sex with a crim. Uh, he then gets done as indeed we thought he would, for throwing acid in the face of people in a nightclub. And uh, unfortunately, in the meantime, Fern is up the duff. And so she's got the baby now. So then they do a TV programme where she fails to acknowledge people whose lives have been scarred beyond belief. And that's why she's been picked on. But uh, she says now that my life is back on track. But like, like, what, what, does that, what does that mean, dear? What does that mean? At the moment, it's looking a bit thin on the ground, because if you read the other paper, she's losing weight, she can't sleep, and she's had to move back in with her mother, because people have trolled her over the fact that she didn't acknowledge all the people who got hurt in that acid attack. It was only about Fern McCann. It's like, poor me, poor me, I've had a dreadful year. I don't quite see how you've had a dreadful year. You had sex with some bloke you obviously fancied, you failed to notice the cannabis farm, and then you didn't bother going to the, uh, to the trial. I'd have thought you owed something, do you not think so? Obviously, everybody else thinks at the same time, exactly the same as I was thinking. But uh, perhaps a little bit less about yourself, dear, and more about other people. Because at the moment, there's very little of that coming back, and that's why people are not very happy about it. Uh, So we've got Ringo. Scary Spice is writing a book about her year of scandal. 
or How I Made a Pornographic Film with Two Other People, which would be a much better title, do you not think? Here's the news. Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Uh, happy Christmas Eve. We don't generally say Happy Christmas Eve, do we? It's not, it's not politically correct. We're supposed to say Happy Christmas, which we can do tomorrow. This is just, it's the day before Christmas. This is the day where you will be seriously amazed at the amount of stuff people are piling into their trolleys in the supermarkets. People will stagger out as if there was Armageddon going on and we were in the middle of a war with North Korea. Let's not joke about it. But there is that danger that people think they're stocking up for about a week. You know, we're getting all the food in and we're not moving anywhere. OK, brilliant. That's fine. But it is, it's difficult, isn't it? You feel like saying to somebody, you know, the sales start on Boxing Day. You've only got one day at home and then all the stuff that you bought will be reduced. But that's the way it works. You can't sort of hang around, can you, till Boxing Day to sort of start getting the turkey. But today people will be dragging stuff off the shelves. The shoplifters will be out in force in all the upmarket stores. They'll be nicking as much as they possibly can. And the store detectives will be working overtime. And when I was waiting for my taxi on Friday evening, I saw something which resonated immediately with me. As I was standing by the traffic lights, not on my telephone, I hasten to add, a scooter went past... Not very fast, with two people on, all wearing black, both wearing black, with no number plates on it. And apparently, this is what these thieving little toe rags do. And luckily, do you remember we had some the other week? They were up in court. It was a little a little motorcycle gang on their little nicked mopeds. And they laughed as the charges were being read. They've got 11 years to laugh about the charges being read. Because we laughed at you, girly boys. We laughed hard. They were targeting phone shops. But when I saw this little motorcycle, little scooter thing, with two people all in black, with the black helmets on, and no number plates on the front or back of the thing, I thought, I know what you're doing. So let me advise you now, if you're out today, and you will be out today, and you will be going to busy areas, busy areas is what they're looking for. Oxford Street, this is only, I can't speak about other cities. I can, only, I can only mention the places around here. So anywhere where there's a crowd, where people stand by the side of the road, bus stops, that's what they're targeting. They're targeting somebody who's on their phone or who's holding it. They'll just go past. The bloke on the back will grab your phone and they're gone. They're gone. So just be warned. I wouldn't want to see anybody's Christmas ruined. Well, every time I've been out on the street, what do I do? Phone is in my pocket. Button down pocket. You won't get hold of it. And to be honest with you, I would happily push them off their little motorbikes into the path of traffic. I would seriously do that. Seriously. Because people's lives have been ruined by these people. They were smashing, you know, shops up to get at things. And so uh, when I heard that they'd been sentenced to 11 years, I practically clapped. I was going, yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. Let's hope you get sorted out in prison. That'd make me feel a lot better about life. Tony in Southsea says, I get up especially to listen to your show, which is good. And having a Christmas barbecue is very good. Uh, This is uh, from Mike. He says, tonight we're having this Christmas barbecue. It'll be indoors, though, as it's hot here. Twenty. I don't know where he is, actually. It's 28 degrees. It could be anywhere. Rain is predicted. He says, I love your cynicism and sarcasm. There's certainly no cynicism, let me tell you. Somebody said to me the other day, somebody said, what did somebody say to me the other day? Oh, that's right, the magic circle. Somebody said yesterday, they said, uh, why do you never get sued? I said, why would I get sued? I said, I don't tell lies. If you make something up about somebody, then you stand a very good chance of sort of getting, getting sort of done for it. But I never, I never tell lies about anybody. I just tell you the truth. You know, if somebody actively seeks publicity on the television, that's not my problem. That's their problem. 
You know, and then he'd go, oh, I was caught out with sort of... I haven't told a lie on, in 40 years. I don't need to. Don't need to tell... Oh, I, I got into trouble once years and years ago because uh, <laughs> it was so stupid. It was so stupid. I don't want to go back into it again, but it involves Sarah Ferguson. And uh, I thought I'd used an old English word to describe her um, because she was always a bit sort of jolly hockey sticks and a bit naff. And I used this word and somebody said, oh, no, that means something completely differently. We went through every dictionary under the sun to try and find out. And I just got sort of a on the back of the hand kind of thing. I said, well, I don't. I thought this was just a funny word. If I told you what the word was, you'd go, oh, God, that's a funny word. Apparently not. But anyway, that was the only time. But no, you only get sued if you tell lies about somebody. You know, but I've, I've never told lies about anybody. I'm not, I've been doing it for 40 years. Heavens above. I'm practically an expert. Practically. I'm on nodding terms with Ofcom. Hello. Hello. They love me down there. Uh, Sally Scouser remembers real fires at Christmas. Dad used to light the fire when the clocks went back. And it remained lit until the clocks went forward. Coal in the bucket at the fireside. Used uh, to be polished with shoe polish just for the show. Oh, do you remember when you used to have I, uh, those proper buckets at the side? I still love it, honestly. My, my grandmother used to live in Ilford, in Essex, in Kentview Gardens. And uh, we've seen it on Google Traffics or whatever it is. And uh, we've seen the house. It was a lot different. My uncle, uh, Alan, used to live there. <coughs> Excuse me, first one in the programme. Um, he used to live there as well. And she had a front parlour and a back parlour. The back parlour is where she lived all the time, and that's where the fire was. And she lived all the time in a housecoat. Now, ladies of a certain age will know what a housecoat is. And you'd put it on, and then you'd go and do your cleaning. You know, you'd polish your step outside with that, that red stuff. You'd do all of that. People, people were very much more house-proud than they are now. Now you call somebody in to paint and decorate for you, don't you? Uh, Steve, even in Coronation Street, Anthony Cotton says, Dean seems to be a supporting actor in the background. They're kind of just sort of stuck with him, really. He came from Queer as Folk, uh, where, again, he played the same character that he's playing in Coronation Street. It's a gay guy playing a gay guy. There's not really much acting involved in it. And uh, and they sort of put him on the Strictly Come Dancing. I don't quite know, because somebody was saying the other day they didn't know half the people in the dancing programme, the Dancing on Ice, which is coming back. I wish they'd left it where it was. But they obviously decided it's a cheap programme to make. And by the way, Philip Schofield's hardly ever on the television, so let's bring him out and get him to do something. So that's what they've done. Steve, I was embarrassed watching the Royal Variety Show. It was dire. Well, I tell you what, it's, I don't know who it was aimed at. But years ago, you got the old-fashioned comic, and it was all lovely, and it was, it was nice and, and good. And then we get Miranda, who's sort of a bit more of a modern phenomena. And it just didn't work for me. Also, I'm not interested. Was it the script who were there or something? Who cares? All they do is they come on stage and they go, here's the script, you know. And you go, oh, here we go. They'll be playing their new single or a track. For and then you go, so they get one single, and then they go to something else. And they go, and here it is, it's the vert, whatever. I can't remember who the groups were. Whatever it was, I switched off. I went off to make a cup of tea at that point. Because I'm just, I'm not interested in people flogging their records. And that's all it is. It's a case of, you know, you're supposed to want to go. I'm commanded by their majesties to request the pleasure of a deeply unfunny comedian to come on stage and tell a few gags. Jason Manford was actually a lot better than I was expecting. In fact, I spoke to somebody else the other day who, who knows all about that side of the business and said he was funny. I said, well, I thought he was funnier than I was expecting him to be. But uh, the rest of it, I thought, was dire. Absolutely dire. I felt sorry, really, for sort of William and Kate sitting in the box. But it goes to prove they obviously don't have much fun in their lives. 
So when they get the opportunity to let their hair down, it's a case of, you know, I think he, he pretended to gallop or something. I mean, it's the future king, for God's sake. It's just, somebody should be saying to I really don't think so, you should be doing this. I didn't think they were allowed to talk to the royal box, but, you know, people do nowadays, don't they? Uh, Sarah's in Southwold says, first time listening to your show, not usually up this uh, early. I'm sitting in bed, creasing up. Well, you would be for sitting up in bed, wouldn't you? Lie down and it, it's much easier. Uh, did you get uh, uh, Biggins and Neil's Christmas card this year? Yes. Yes. And, um, uh, yes. <laughs> I did, actually. It's an unusual one this year. They're standing in front of a picture. It's very odd. I went to his pantomime in Richmond on Wednesday. When he asked an eight-year-old girl who she'd come with, she replied beautifully, my father's side of the family. So that's how good it is in Richmond. They're so much more classy. And uh, happy Christmas to you and my old ready, steady, cool uh, cook chum, Phil Vickery. That's from Patrick. Thank you. And somebody says, guess what I came across in Posh Covent Garden, in Posh Garden Centre yesterday? Brussels sprout dust. I had to try it immediately, so I fried the sprout tops, delicious, sprinkled a little bit of the dust on it. It was amazing. Ooh, Angie. Would be interesting to know what Phil Vickery thinks of sprout tops. They're very popular. I don't know, he's probably knee-deep in doing things at the moment. I can always tell by the time he actually gets up. Uh, I'm being visited, Steve, says Jill in Glasgow, by the grandchildren. They're five and four, and I think they're going to be dressed as elves. Elves. That's the latest thing at the moment, people dressing as elves. All sorts of people. So that should be good for you as well. Uh, Do you do magic, says Jackie, in your magic circle show? Generally not. Generally not. (laughs) Uh, From what I've heard, Rod Stewart is to be knighted. Then his wife becomes Lady Penelope says Martin. I don't, they're, not, they're supposed to keep it quiet. It's supposed to be kept quiet. It's supposed to be a big secret. I ho- I'm hoping, I know this sounds a bit churlish, doesn't it? But I'm hoping the dreary Beckhams don't get a knighthood for Dave. I'm really, I mean, it's just so boring and dull. You know, let's not, let's try and find some other people as well. Caught up with the uh, the Al Murray Christmas show last night, Zedless Stars, uh, Joey Essex. Used to think he was good, but it was a load of rubbish, says Dave. And, um, and uh, Bunny in Oxford, donkey stone. What a donkey stone? I don't know what donkey stones are. Is it? What's it to do with? Oh right, we thought it was. Oh, with the rope. I don't know. I've got no idea. I saw one for Christmas. A donkey stone. We went to a restaurant once, and it was called Hot Rocks, and they brought you a hot rock in a sort of a piece of wood or something. You cooked your own meat on top of it. I hate going to restaurants where they sort of bring all the ingredients out of the kitchen, and you're expected to cook it. What's the point of that? What is the point of that? I don't know, like that at all. Uh, another one here says, along with those that make conversations so interesting, had a belly full of laughter in coffee bar. Thanks to you. Thank you. Can you remind people it's uh, Sunday and all large stores open only six hours? Uh, well, it's Sunday and I think... Uh, oh, Donkey Stone. It's a scouring block. Oh, right. Is it? Oh, see, I didn't know that. It's a scouring block. Well, there you go. You live and learn, ladies and gentlemen. A scouring block. So people will be cleaning with it. You clean with it, yeah. A scouring block. I love it. Phil Vickery says, yep, like sprout tops. He also likes beetroot tops. I didn't know there was... Oh, you're right. But I know what beetroot tops are. I know what beetroot tops are. I've seen them. Because uh, you can either buy in Paul Cooper's place either cooked beetroot or uncooked beetroot, and you get the beetroot tops as well. But the amount of people that actually come in for uh, for Brussels tops, very very popular, very very popular. I've never I've never sort of uh, I've never sort of done it, but when people come in, they go, oh, these look really really nice. I think they come from the farm, but uh, very interesting. And Phil says, 
Oh, that's right. He says, uh, and just love Pat Anthony. Like you, Steve, a real gent. There you go. There you go. One day we shall meet in the flesh, as they say. And uh, so the Almary Christmas show. Blah, 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 blah. And also, a lot of shops will be closing about three o'clock today. Not because it's Sunday, but because it's Christmas Eve. But I think you'll find that Tesco's are open until 10 o'clock tonight. There's a lot of Tesco's. I've been hearing adverts for them as well. Uh, is there a tip for putting lights on a tree evenly? No. It's, you know, you get just the same effect, picking them up and throwing them at the tree. It looks exactly the same. By the time you put tinsel round and, you know, and all that draping other stuff, that's it. There's no sort of easy way. Uh, Gemma in Enfield, three years of listening, live and podcasting, which is good. And, um, and everybody else talking about the puppy in the advent calendar. How howlingly indulgent, Tamara. Thick as a brick. This is the one who's got a daughter called Fifi, but that's not her name. I feel a bit sorry for Tamara Eccleston because she's got 50 staff in a house, whereas Downton Abbey survived with 14. You know, the real Downton Abbey. Uh, Paul Cooper's got uh, lots of Brussels sprouts for you to buy. Have you got Brussels tops in, Paul? Have we, have we still got Brussels tops in? Because people like them and... Um, Phil Vickery likes those as well, so that's good news, isn't it? OK, listen, quick break, and uh, what have we got here now? I'm just trying to find a little um, a little story. Oh, the Spice Girls reunion. But is it really? <laughs> he says, try to make it sound interesting and tempting. Is it really a Spice Girls reunion? It's not what you think it is. I'll tell you about it in uh, a moment. It's just gone quarter past six. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20. Nice to have your company. Marion, my brother's other half, is off to collect the turkey at 1pm. Are we having a turkey this year? I mean, I know we have turkey every year, but is it, is it actually a turkey? I thought we had... What do they call it? There's a name, isn't there? Turkey crown or something like that. But anyway, apparently my brother's doing special roast potatoes. They better be as good as last year's. If they're not, trouble will be a, be a brewing, I tell you. No Brussels tops for us, but in fact, Marion's son is over with his girlfriend, who lives in Thunder Bay. Thunder Bay, which is over in Canada, I think, where it's minus 13 degrees. Ugh, ugh, dreadful. Not the, uh, not the kind of thing we... Uh, minus 13, honestly, in this country we go, minus 13, I'm not going out in that. That sounds ghastly. Uh, the Spice Girls, so here they all are. Uh, Mel B, uh, the one with the porno. Uh, Mel C, the nice sporty one. Uh, Jerry who's so tiny, uh, Emma, who's so radio, and Victoria, who's so miserable. Everybody else smiles, except there at the end you've got smiling, 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 miserable. And I don't know whether it's not she thinks she doesn't look good unless, you know, unless she's got a straight face on, I don't, or what, but she, she looks great when she smiles. But uh, unfortunately she's losing money hand over fist. I've just got this feeling, I've got a bad feeling. I've got one of my bad feelings again. You know when somebody, somebody says to you, oh, right, so here's Victoria, she's a fashionista and she does this. And I'm going, not really, not, not with sort of losses, not with losses. You know, an eight and a half million, I think, this year, which will be propped up. But they paid themselves some nice dividends, so it's obviously, it's obviously quite a good old wheeze. Anyway, anyway, leaving that to one side, uh, the reason that they could be getting together now is because uh, Chinese, uh, the Chinese have got a reality show and they thought if they put the girls on, they could be... It's to find the next global pop star. And um, because, it, I mean, the man behind the Spice Girls is Simon Fuller, without a shadow of a doubt. In fact, I think he's a director of, uh, of her company and of his company as well. 
Uh, because at the height of their fame, there was the movie, dolls, stationery, trainers, lollipops. It was everything. And now it's just it's dwindled away to nothing. But there's still interest in them. So they thought that if they get them in for a Chinese reality show to find the next global pop star, because they've all done a little bit of it, except Victoria. And so they will go to China in the spring and do the television show. Uh, in terms of money, they're not doing it for pennies. The plan is that lots of endorsements and other big money, money deals will snowball. So there you go. But um, Jerry Halliwell's sole company, Wonderful Productions, profits gone down to from 180,000 to four and a half thousand. But there again, you know, I, sh- I shouldn't imagine they walked away from the Spice Girls with a, a tiny amount of money. They probably walked away with a, a nice little bit. I was told about 16 million each from the Spice Girls because they managed to get themselves on the writing credits. I was never quite sure how that one worked out. Uh, Steve, scrubbing the steps. Google it. Uh, it, it meant you were clean if your steps were scrubbed. I think it's got limestone in People used to cardinal. Cardinal red was the stuff that people did on their steps. And so, you know, steps look lovely as well. My sons and I are off to Columbia Road Flower Market today, says Irene. I love it. They really enjoyed listening to you this year. Yes, I know. And it's not finished yet. It is not finished yet. It, uh, it goes on. Um, Cilla Black's uh, son. Uh, this is Robert. Uh, is talking about uh, Scylla, and she was spared her darkest fit. Do you know, it's two years after her death. Two years after Scylla died. And uh, Scylla's son has now revealed the secret troubles that plagued her final years, and he sold the home. The home is gone. It was up in uh, Denham, in Upper Denham. Um, and uh, that's, that's gone. I think she... It was, it was an old house that her and Bobby had, and uh, the family were there. But, of course, you know, the boys had all moved on with their lives... But uh, you won't, there won't be another Scylla Black. We seem to have lost those, those sort of showbiz people who are really part of, part of showbiz, aren't they? And Scylla Black was more showbiz than most people. Uh, also, the lovable lefty from Gogglebox, that's Leon. Is it funny? I never even think about people's, um, people's uh, political leanings. When you watch somebody on television, I just think he was a grumpy, silly old man. I didn't think he was 83. I thought he looked very good for 83. But then I met loads of people. They say, guess how old... I asked a lady at the Magic Circle. I said, how old are you? She said, mind your own business. I think it seemed right. And then she told me later on. And I said, well, I hope I look as good as you when I get to that age. Because, you know, it's, it's something, isn't it? Rachel Johnson says she's doing Big Brother. What can possibly go wrong, she says. So, because it's an all-female version, I think, of, uh, of Big Brother. I mean, you know, if you get somebody like Rachel... Uh, and then they put in a few sort of, let's just call them lower-than-life people. There will be somebody, there'll be sort of some bimbo somewhere who's sort of, you know, famous because they've been on a reality show. And I should imagine that will go down like a lead balloon with uh, with uh, with Rachel. Uh, apparently, apparently. Uh, we are having turkey crown. I got a bit worried, actually. I don't want to hold turkey. I don't we're going to get the blooming thing in the oven. We'll never do it. But no, no Brussels tops for us. No Brussels tops. I don't even know what you do with them. I've seriously got no idea. I talk about it like I know what I'm talking about, but it doesn't uh, doesn't quite work, does it really? And then Phil says, I like Colette's. Colette, what are Colette's? Colette's, he says, sautéed with potatoes and topped with a fried egg. What are Colette's? No, it's Phil Vickery. No, it's Colette's. Sautéed with potatoes and topped with a fried egg. Colette's. <laughs> you think he's misspelled a word or something? I don't know. K A L E T T E S. Tell me what they are, because I'm fascinated by this. They do sound quite nice. Sautéed with potatoes could be onions, couldn't it? It's oh, it's like kale. Oh, oh, don't like the sound of that at all. That sounds horrid. Don't like that. And topped with a fried egg. I tell you what they do in. 
Oh. Oh, no. Not... Oh, right. Looks a bit like curly kale, doesn't it? Yucky, yuck, yuck. i tell you what I do like. They do it in... Um, and I've only ever discovered it in Waitrose. It's um, a sealed pack, metal seal, foil seal, so it keeps for obviously years and years. And it's potato with a little bit of bacon and egg, and you put it into a frying pan and you fry it on both sides. Delicious, delicious. It's really nice with a bit of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise and some little miniature sausages. But uh, I'd never heard of Colettes. It's probably Kaolettes or Kale... Well, anyway, whatever it is. I'd never heard of it. I'd never heard of it. I don't, I don't know these kind of things. I'm rubbish at them. As long as the roast potatoes are good in the family, it's all I care about. I'm not, I'm not worried about anything else. The potatoes have got to be the thing for us. Uh, Steve, we were only listening to you in the week when you, were, um, when you lose someone at Christmas. And the following day, my wife lost her brother. He was only 32, says Gary, a day after our daughter's first birthday. But uh, at least you managed to make a smile. I did say, didn't I, at Christmas time, it's, I've often said, and it sounds really bizarre, and I thought it sounded bizarre when I said it last time around, I said, but if you lose somebody at Christmas, I think that's better. Because you always remember, don't you? Because it's Christmas. And I think, I think that's good. But I always, I always worry about losing. You know, when you lose people who are too young... That's what uh, that's what you sort of think. But nobody's lived their life. It's like you know, we heard about Keith Chegwin at the age of 60. I mean, 60 is nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. You know, and you get somebody like the bloke off Gogglebox, who was 83. That's a good innings. But if you're 83 listening to this programme now, you're going, shut up, shut up, shut up. 83, I feel fine. It's, it just doesn't matter, though, does it? You're supposed to live, what was the old saying? Live every life as if, uh, live every day as if it was your last. Well, I've got no idea how I'm going to spend my last day, but I appreciate the sentiment. And I do try and do as much as I can. You know, that sort of kind of kind of makes me feel a little bit better about life. Uh, thanks for the tip, Stephen Phil. I'll be hot-footing it down to that posh garden centre later for beetroot tops. There you go. Colettes are a mixture of kale and sprouts sold in most supermarkets. Do you know that they actually sell bags of shredded courgette and stuff like that? You can actually buy a bag of shredded courgette. Can't you shred courgette? You must better get a little machine, a little hand thing. That you can do it yourself. So after buying a bag of it, I've got a thing that decorates a cucumber. You put it into the top of a cucumber. It looks like a little handle. You put it, you cut the cucumber, you put it at the top and you wind it. And it takes the, the outer skin off, off the cucumber. And then you can make something interesting out of it. Like they do Chinese restaurants, Thai restaurants, and tomatoes. And, they cut, and my favourite is an orange. You cut the skin off and then you sort of twist it slowly round your finger and it makes a, makes a rose. <laughs> what a misspent youth we've had. That's why I like, I like Thai and Chinese, because they do decorated things. And you think, there's, a, there's an art to doing that, isn't there? Some people can just do that. I watched somebody making candles once. And that was very interesting. I can't do it myself, but I quite like it, actually. My Scottish friend says he's here for a good time. Not a long time, says Phil Vickery. I like that. Hey? Here for a good time, not a long time. Uh, and Dan says, uh, wishing you the merriest of Christmases. Thank you very much indeed. We like, we like the merriest of Christmases. I bet loads of you have got loads of time off. Loads of time off. Uh, I'm going to be here uh, tomorrow and the next day. And the day after that. And the day after that. Why? Because it just wouldn't be the same, would it? Would not be the same at all. So uh, we have to make the most of it. And uh, he says, looking forward to tomorrow's show while spending quality time. This is Dan with those I love. Have a wonderful one. Yeah, I mean, I said that to people yesterday. I said, have a great Christmas. Even if you're by yourself, it doesn't matter. You can still have a great Christmas. I promise you. If you've got the radio or the television and you've got, um, you know, some milk in and some water and some tea bags and stuff like that. That's always good. Uh, Megan, 
We're not sure if she's eaten sprouts yet. But at Sandringham, there will be sprouts on silver salvers. I'm assuming she... They, they must have sprouts in Canada. She can't... You know, I mean, she must have eaten sprouts. Mind you, she might not like them. They say, we're, we're, having, we're having guinea fowl. Sorry? Guinea fowl. You can imagine. I, I wonder what sort of food they're going to serve her. They must have checked on what, what she can eat and what, what she can't eat. There must be something like that. Uh, Judge Bruno laughs off the Strictly Curse. And uh, says it's none of his business what the stars get up to. No, we're more interested, really, in Bruno Tonioli and what he gets up to. He's far more entertaining. Apparently, he uh, to avoid um, conscription into the Italian army, he turned up in a fur coat and told them he was gay. To be honest with you, if a man turns up in a fur coat, you don't actually need to tell them that you're gay. They're going to kind of guess, aren't they? But that's what he did to avoid it. But he's so, so it's, uh, it's uh, waving hands and all this kind of thing. It's a little bit too sort of dry. I hope every queen in Italy is not as bad as that. I mean, otherwise the country must go down in melts. Absolutely. Uh, Ready, steady, chef injured in an attack. And, uh, and this is uh, Nick Nairn. He was left with bruises. Uh, he was Scotland's youngest chef. And uh, anyway, police, police Scotland have said they have charged somebody. Good, good. So they spend uh, Christmas. Still to come, the Prime Minister's uh, tribute to our brave troops. I thought it was a bit dull and uninteresting. I, I had to check with people whether or not it was regular. Uh, but, well, not, not whether she's regular, but whether or not it's a regular message. Too personal, wouldn't it? Uh, whether it's, it's a regular message that goes out. Because I don't remember it any other year. She sort of put on this affected voice and tried to sort of do a tribute to the brave troops, most of which they appear to have axed. LBC News Time, 5.30. And, no, it's not, it's 6.30. And with the latest headlines, it's Simon Conway. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. God, you should be up by now, goodness sakes. No, but I, know you, I know it's easy, isn't it? You just lie there thinking, another five minutes, another, another ten minutes, and you just keep dragging it out, till eventually you go, oh, for goodness sake, just put some clothes on and get out the door. Anita Rani's in the papers today. I didn't know who she was, actually. It turns out she's on Country Fire, but, I mean, there's loads of presenters. There's about one, two, three, four... There's about seven presenters on Country Fire. I've never known a programme with so many presenters. And obviously we're all not able to do anything longer than about two minutes. But uh, she's been on Strictly as well. But apparently she can't wear shorts on the show without sparking a hysterical debate. You're a bit delusional, dear, aren't you? I've never... I mean, who cares whether you wear shorts or not? Why would anybody worry about that? She spoke out about dual standards for male and female... Oh, here we go again. What is it with Country Fire? They can't. We had this with the with the woman whose name I can't remember, who was sort of too old to be on television. So the BBC dropped her. She was, she was. A, they're all embroiled in scandal. So this is the third one. Then the other woman who said that people just treat her as if she's sort of just very pretty and all the rest of it. And now you've got Anita Rani claiming that if she wears shorts, everybody gets hysterical. In your dreams, dear. Nobody even notices you. You're just another presenter. Here's a sheep. There's a hillside. End of story. Oh, look, here's a salmon farm. Here's something else. She says here that uh, female TV hosts tend to dress in fear of criticism. Oh, shut up, for goodness sake. Just get on with it. Get on with the job. Nobody cares whether you wear shorts. You can turn up in a bin liner, I promise you. You must be really desperate for some sort of attention. Everybody else on the programme gets loads of attention, except poor old Anita Rani. So, anyway, she, she was a researcher... She had her own show on a radio station when she was age 14. I imagine that must have been a riveting listen at 14. And then she's been on Watchdog, the one show, in this morning before Country File. And um, she'd also been targeted by online trolls. Anita, 
Everybody's been targeted by online trolls. It's not just you, dear. It's not always about you. Everybody. I've been targeted by trolls. Everybody. Listen, Meghan Markle gets trolled. Don't try and make yourself out to be some sort of martyr or something. God's sake, honestly. You're that desperate for publicity. You know, nobody ever goes, oh, Anita Rani, great presenter. They don't say that on television now, do they? They never say it about the blokes either, so it doesn't, it doesn't sort of work either way, really. Uh, what else we got? Oh, the, um, Tina Malone on all the papers today. Uh, George's grave, George Michael's grave. Still no headstone. It's almost like, you know, the family go, oh, can't be bothered. Can't be bothered. The fans are more interested. Uh, London Zoo is open today after their fire of yesterday, and there will be loads of people who will be setting off on the journey. You can all spot them. They'll all be going to see family. And you know how you can spot them? Because they'll have Christmas presents in the back window of the car. They'll have shoved them on the back ledge and everything else, and you see Christmas paper and, and all the rest of it. And the kids will be sitting there, bored out of their minds, going, where are we going? We're going to your Auntie Winifred's. Oh, God, we don't like Auntie Winifred. Her house smells. They go, well, that's, that's where we're going for Christmas, all right? So everybody goes up there and the kids sit there looking bored out of their minds. Why don't they just leave kids at home? Home alone, as they say. So much nicer. Uh, the best cure for a sore head is a fry-up. That's all right. Nothing to matter with that, is there really? I quite like the idea of fry I haven't had one for ages and ages. Uh, also, did you know that uh, there's some bloke from Sweden who holds the sprout-eating world record? 31 in a minute. Oh... I think that's, I don't do world records for eating sprouts, but I do like them. Uh, Brussels tops looks like a cabbage, but tastes nicer, Susanna. Oh, I've seen them. Paul Cooper sells them all the time. Uh, Oliver is 21 today, and uh, it's Simpsons in the Strand for lunch as his treat. Ooh, bit flash, isn't it, really? Says, uh, says Dane. Lovely. And uh, Steve, not the case. I lost my... Lost my ma, 21st of December, and then the family decided for the funeral on New Year's Eve. I've never really been able to celebrate it since. 30 years on. 30 years on! Grief. And uh, 84850. Steve, you are absolutely right, says one here. You said that Megan would be invited to Sandringham for Christmas, and you're absolutely right. Yep, I know. I'm, I never get this right. I've got an insider. Okay, I don't want to say any more. Because otherwise it gets people into trouble. Yeah, I said she'd be going to Sandringham, and Sandringham she's going to. Uh, Jock says, I'm doing sprouts and honey-glazed carrots with Christmas dinner. Oh, do you know, you couldn't make a carrot any less exciting. Like parsnips, swede, stuff like that, you know, and they go, honey roast... I've heard of honey-roasted carrots, but that's just... That's just dull, isn't it? I mean, isn't it just like sort of incredibly increasing your sugar intake? And we had honey roast parsnips one year. And, oh, God. This year, I always swear to God, I might try it, actually, if we have them tomorrow. And I'm not sure if we're having honey roasted parsnips. But I always go, no, thank you. Obviously, <laughs> I don't know why. It just doesn't appear to me. I might actually try one and sort of try and make it um, interesting. Steve, get Paul Cooper to get you some Colettes. You'll love them, says Phil. You think? You think? Actually, sometimes I surprise myself what I eat. I really do. I'm not the healthiest person. Uh, so, one here. See, if you didn't finish your saying, live every day as your last, and one day you'll be right, says Peter in Pontifract. Is that where the cakes come from? I like that. As if I've got nothing better to do, Steve. Christmas Eve, eight hungry adults in this house, uh, up to make them brekkie, but addicted to listening to you. Going to move at 7am. I know, I do that. I was, I'm dreadful at things like that. I sort of go, I know, I'll just leave it another ten minutes. This morning, I got up early. And I sat in front of the telly and I thought, should I have a bowl of cornflakes? And I didn't. I just had two cups of tea and sort of checked on the news to see if there was anything particularly interesting. And there wasn't. And, uh, and so I was sort of sitting there and I thought, how about 
and this is now sort of 20 past one, how about if I just have a little lie down? I thought, no, my worst nightmare would be if I lie down and fall asleep and then wake up. But it was, ah, oh, be absolutely dreadful. Dreadful. We're on our way to Bruges, says Chris in Norbury and Eddie and Sean the Pomeranian at Folkestone waiting for the Channel Tunnel train. Loving as usual the show. Uh, and from Dave in Hornsey, who's 66 today, he says, I couldn't agree more about being as long as the roast potatoes are good. This year, Steve, I've discovered a product called the Roast Potato Seasoning from Sainsbury's. It's amazing. It looks a bit like whitish pepper. and It's got a few spices and it comes in a small glass jar and you sprinkle it on the potatoes after you've boiled them before putting them in the oven. They come out beautifully crispy. They've got to be crispy. Last year, the brother did them and, and it was good. It was good. And uh, we're not having parsnips, apparently. Thank God for that. It saves, saves me the option, doesn't it, really? Will you be eating parsnips? No. Why? Because we're not having them. I'm not, I'm just, I'm not, I can't get excited about parsnips. Brussels sprouts, yes, I like Brussels sprouts. I'm going to try and get this, this I'll ask Paul Cooper about this, Colette's. I'll say, Phil Vickery says I need to eat Colette's because I'm going to love them. Sounds quite nice, doesn't it, really? It's part of, perhaps it's my healthy kick for next year. Perhaps it's the, it's the Steve Allen, you're going to be healthier this year. <laughs> I can't be worse than last year. Dear God in heaven. I mean, last year was terrible. Uh, Phil's off to feed the pigs now. I love it. <laughs> With all those carrot tops and custom tops and everything else, actually. <laughs> I can imagine. Pigs are very sort of undemanding, aren't they? You just sort of give them all sorts of things that you would generally throw away. If you're good at recycling stuff, pigs can help you recycle, which is lovely. As I say, I quite like pigs. Very clean. Very clean. And I love piglets, but they're just... They're little... Buggers to try and catch, aren't they? Eaten messes on the menu, is it? Wow. Obviously, throw. How he's going to get all this stuff out there tomorrow? I've got no idea. Eaten mess. Do you know what I bought the other day? And I'm not. I'm not supposed to eat it. It was a mandarin orange trifle, and it's got mandarin oranges in jelly. Well, jelly and diabetes do not mix, and mandarin oranges. I'm off my trolley on. So I'm looking forward to an afternoon of crawling about on the ceiling. The idea, because I just, I saw it in there, and Mark's suspect, oh, that looks nice. And they've got a luxury trifle. I thought, no, no. Because once you start on a trifle, you just eat the blooming thing. It's, it's, it's really a nightmare. <laughs> I've got to be so careful. So careful. But uh, anyway, so, you know, if, you, if you're doing everything, I hope you're organised. I hope that you've managed to get all the presents done. They're all wrapped. They're all hidden, are they? Under the tree? You have got the tree, haven't you? Because bearing in mind, a lot of people will be celebrating Christmas this evening. Because, you know, all, all our friends and all my friends over from Poland, they celebrate this evening. They do the 24th in keeping with a lot of, a lot of European countries. It's only the, the fact that we actually do it a little bit later. But I don't mind that. I don't mind. And um, Steve Colette's, they might be a bit snug, says Nick. Thank you. Steve in Edgeware's got a birthday today. Everybody's got birthdays today, have you noticed? See, the, this many people have birthdays on, on Christmas Eve. The Eve of Christmas. I think what I... It's your birthday tomorrow. Oh, your sister's birthday tomorrow. Oh, that's quite... Oh, God. That means you only get one lot of presents, don't you? I bet. Yeah. Christmas cake is birthday cake. And who eats Christmas cake? I don't know. I used to eat Christmas cake. My mother used to make it back at the sort of beginning of December. And she'd ice it. And we'd have the same little things on the top. There was a snowman, a tree, and a sledge, and all the rest. It was very sweet, because my mother was a very good cook. But, um... Then after I became diabetic, we'd have the Christmas cake, but I can't have the icing or the marzipan, so I'd have to take that off, and that kind of defeats the object. And it was, it was too sweet anyway for me. So now I just don't bother with Christmas cake. I like a cherry Genoa. 
I love a cherry Genoa. That's nice. That's very nice. Any, any sort of light, spongy-type cake. Or a Simnel cake. An Easter cake. I like that as well. And a fruitcake occasionally, but just not one with marzipan or icing around it. That, that's definitely not there at all. Uh, so we've done the calendars. The Spice Girls Chinese Reunion. George's Grave. Uh, the grumpy old man from Gogglebox has died. And uh, Oh, and Fern McCann. As I say, she did about three papers today. First of all, saying, oh, it's been a dreadful year. Friends are worried for her. In other words, you know, they'll just phone somebody. Are, are you worried for Fern? Yeah, we're really worried. OK, thanks. Put the phone down. It's apparently because they, they think she's losing weight. I don't know why. I don't know, what, what's this bad year? I want to know, you know, I only asked the question the other day, you know, on what bad year she thinks she's had. She went out with a bloke who had a, a string of convictions as long as your arm, and apparently she was blissfully unaware about it, which means that she's obviously a bit dimmer than I thought, because people must have said to her, you going out with who? Are you sure? Anyway, he then carries on being a criminal and decides to spray acid in the face of people, having lied through his, uh, through his teeth in court that he thought it was a date-rape drug, which I thought was slightly bizarre. Why he'd want to spray a date-rape drug into the air is beyond me, so we knew he was lying from that moment on. And we did think, word had come out, that it was going to be a long prison sentence. 20 years, five years on licence. So they won't even consider him for parole until 15 years in. He lives that long. I mean, you can never tell, actually, because he's just been caught with a little mobile phone. Perhaps he thinks he's Mr Big or something. I don't know. But anyway, apparently dreadful year for her. Dreadful year. So she sobbed on television. But she got a TV show out of it. Fern McCann, woman in Essex, has baby. Rivetingly exciting. Not. Uh, so we're a little bit worried, aren't we, about Aunt McPartland. A little bit worried that the uh, the marriage might not be as strong as we thought it was going to be. Michelle Keegan, oh, I mean, I thought we'd have seen the last of her. She made a dreadful series which nobody watched. It's a bit like I heard the other day, Beverly Turner. It was such a good aside. She was talking about, about Meghan Markle, saying, of course, I mean, nobody's ever seen Suits. And she's quite right. I've never met anybody who's ever seen Suits. They go, and then somebody wrote to me and said, oh, she's a really marvellous actress. She's only ever been in Suits. Apart from that, she's, a, sorry, Sheila Fogarty figures but it's like i think megan markle did the turning of cards on game shows and things like that she's a very very average actress and now she won't be any actress at all although i think she's acting with him i looked at the pictures the other day they don't look normal do they uh but anyway she'll be eating sprouts at christmas because that's what the royal family and i must take ages to explain protocol queen comes in you all stand up even though it's casual Everybody will be dressed, suited and booted for this one. It'll be dinner jackets. It's very formal. So when, when the royal family get their opportunity to let their hair down, huh, obviously not in the case of William and Harry because they haven't got any hair anymore, uh, then they, they sort of become like children because they're not allowed to do anything. It's because, do you remember when there was that bit on the balcony and there was a fly pass? All the royal family were there and the Queen's standing there. And she said to William, get up. He was seated in front of the Queen. Totally, you know against all protocol, and she could be seen mouthing the words, William, get up. Very cross about it. Very cross. But apparently, so, as I predicted, <clears throat> they've, uh, they've let Meghan Markle go to uh, have, uh, have... I'm not holding out much hope for this. Is that bad? Is that a bad thing? I don't know why. I just feel... I just feel that when they're actually living together, not just for the odd three days here, four days there, week here, week there... I've just got a feeling he might get bored. He's got very low attention span. Very low attention span. But no, you never know. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of uh, ready to be proven wrong. I had a Christmas tree from Canada yesterday, posted through the letterbox. Same size as my contacts lens delivery. Came with lights, tinsel stars, its own little stand, says Ina. 
Thank you. That sounds quite nice. I like you. You get them in a little box, can't you? And they sort of pop them in. Oh, I need to do a break. Uh, 12 minutes to seven. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. How busy London's going to be today? It's very quiet this morning when I came in. I was quite surprised. I thought it'd be really sort of heaving with people staggering out of clubs and everything else. Perhaps people have decided to sort of give clubs a bit of a miss. No. I didn't think so either. Uh, we'll do the front pages of the uh, the papers. The Express this morning. Eat, drink and be merry. The anti-fat jab is on the way. Brilliant. I've got it. I have it already. And uh, they say this is an injection that stops the body storing fat, hailed as a potential breakthrough. They do one for diabetics. I've got about four syringefuls. In Unfortunately, it's got side effects. It does. It acts like an appetite suppressant. And uh, I think it's it's used for people who are diabetic because of uh, being overweight. And so I did try it and it just it was fine for a while. You didn't eat anything at all, which actually is not the answer to losing weight, as you can imagine. Uh, Britain's uh, Christmas food and drinks experts exports are booming thanks to Brexit with global demand for UK goods. Oh, so that's good news. And there's some some good news coming out of everything. We like a bit of good news. We don't we don't get good news, do we? That fire at London Zoo was uh, was terrible. Um, they lost a few animals. Some meerkats, I think, were unaccounted for, so they think they actually uh, perished, which is a great show. I love meerkats. They're so great. Uh, the Mail today, it's all your Christmas and New Year TV listings, but then you've got, got Radio Times, haven't you, which has got all the listings as well. And they sent it out the other day. I got a copy of it sent to me with marker pens so that you can sort of highlight the thing. Because people do, do plan Christmas around the television offerings. Whereas, you know, me, because I'm in radio, I shall drive down to my brothers tomorrow listening to the radio. Obviously not the television, that would be silly, wouldn't it? So uh, so you, you, you can gear yourself around. If you go to lbc.co.uk, you'll find all the schedules over the festive season, which is lovely. Also, Megan's holiday heartache over the other love of her life. It's her devotion to her dogs. I thought one of them was over here already. Again, more, more rubbish that comes up from the, uh, the newspapers. Uh, also, her beagle has broken two of his legs. Lord, I'm not sure. Whether, I don't think you'd better take those for a walk around the park, dear, anytime soon. Uh, Tamara Eccleston, her three-year-old daughter, Fifi, uh, is plain to see because she's opened the door on the advent. I mean, it really is just disgustingly vulgar. I mean, seriously, there are people starving out there. And here's this woman. She's got a giant size, like twice the size of her daughter. And in one of the little doors, there's a puppy. And so, because most calendars, and people are very upset about it, contain chocolates. If you say to somebody, you've got an advent calendar, they go, yeah, I've eaten all the chocolates. And you go, I thought it's supposed to show signs of the nativity. They were, I heard somebody talking earlier on about the majority of Christmas cards now haven't got anything to do with the baby Jesus or any of those sort of things. People see those as religious cards. They don't bother. But show them a robin standing on the back of a spade or failing that children playing in the snow. And that's the card that people favour. Uh, over in, uh, oh, apparently Fifi's been given several puppies this year. By Tamara and her husband, Jay, who's an art gallery owner, which is lovely. The other dogs have a giant kennel of their own to live in, as well as a team of staff to look after them. It's just an accessory, isn't it? I feel sorry for her. Her life must be so empty. Poor soul. Uh, Tamara will have her work cut out to fill the 25th window tomorrow, especially since Fifi's been begging for the one gift money really can't buy. She wants a unicorn. I mean, it's, I, I didn't think there was a 25th one, was there on the thing? no. But her daughter wants a unicorn, and Tamara's a little bit upset because she doesn't know where to get older one. I mean, it's, it's a bit embarrassing. The star of Tamara's world, otherwise known as this vulgar display, has been dreaming up ways to gently break the news to Fifi that, unlike Father Christmas, unicorns don't exist. Oh. 
So two lies, then. What are you going to Why don't you just say to her, no such thing as unicorns, dear. Tell her the truth. She appears to handle everything else in her life, but if you indulge this child, and God knows she's been indulged, nothing to do with us. It's her child, do what she likes with it, as far as I'm concerned. But fa- fancy sort of saying, okay, this person exists, uh, but in fact, the unicorns don't. Well, just tell her they don't exist and say, I'm terribly sorry, it's just something in your imagination. You know, mummy, when she's had a few drinks, probably sees a few unicorns, but that's as far as it goes. Uh, Steve, uh, this is from Mark. He says, thank you for making my drive down the M11 every morning at four in my black cab. A happy one. Thank you. And uh, roast pot seasoning is delicious. You can make your own with semolina, mustard powder, salt and pepper, plus herbs if you like. We tried it on Friday when we had Christmas number one on Friday for our daughter. Uh, who is serving the Metropolitan as a police officer on Christmas Day. I mean, hopefully it'll be quiet. Hopefully it'll be quiet. Well, you know what it's like nowadays. They don't sort of, uh, they don't sort of tell you that things are, things are quiet. What's the out time? I don't know what the out time is. What is out time? Uh, and uh, what was this another picture of? Oh, that's right. A judge blasting a doctor over the holiday illness evidence. You know, they're, they're clamping down. This is a doctor facing investigation after a judge said he'd provided appallingly inadequate Evidence to support a family's bogus holiday sickness compensation. And uh, this particular doctor, who runs a, a cosmetic laser clinic, charges 1,920 quid to carry out four telephone consultations with members of family. They'd all lied. You know, people go on holiday and they go, oh, let's try and fiddle it. And so what they do now is they actually find somebody who'll help them in their endeavour. And so this, uh, this particular person... Here, I mean, there's more bent people out there. You can shake a stick at. There was one family, do you remember, who we did on the programme? And they were claiming, I think it was, I think it was not as much, because if you claim too much, you draw attention. But the holiday companies are now well wise. And this particular company wrote to them claiming compensation because they'd been ill for half of their holiday. Completely ruined it. You know, they'd gone down with sickness and food and, oh dear, dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. And, uh, and they put in for something like 15,000 quid which they thought was quite reasonable for a family of that size. It turned out they were bent. It turned out they'd lied. Do you know how they found out? The holiday company just went to their Instagram page and there were all these photographs of them laughing and swigging booze back. They were a family of benties. So anyway, the, uh, the holiday company sued them and um, because they, they'd made false representation and they got done for it. Yeah, fantastic. I'll tell you, I love a result like that. And there's another one here, only this time they managed to find, you know, so there's probably loads of people. You can find all sorts of people who, for money, will do just about anything you like. Uh, the Daily Star front page. Oh, it's a picture of Molly King. I love being in love. Happens so rarely, doesn't it, dear? I'd love you to find a job. You know, that'd be nice. Uh, one year on from his death, and it has been a year. Tragic George's grave still unmarked. Although I think the fans know where it is, as indeed fans do, because they're good like that. Uh, also, peace at last for the mum of Lee Rigby. God, what a dreadful story that was. Uh, on the front of the Sunday People, sacked Tina, joked about cocaine use. Are you really stupid, Tina Malone? Are you really dumb? Are you really that thick? You Please tell me this is not true. Please tell me that you weren't seriously joking about cocaine. You can't be that dim. Can you? I would like to think not. The Sun on Sunday, Ants left Lisa for Christmas with his mum. Oh, I, feel a bit, I think we should leave them alone. I don't think it's right that we have to keep sort of... We're, we're supposed to be interested in his marriage. We're not. Hard Day's Night, Beetle Ringo made a sir. What for? It was the drummer who did the voiceover for Thomas the Tank Engine. Chuff, 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 said Thomas. 
And that was it. And they give him a knighthood. For what? Didn't he make some rude comments about Glasgow or something? He was turning on the lights. He made some rude comments about them. And they all went, I don't think that's very good, is it? I mean, he was sort of, he was brought in, wasn't he, after Pete Best? But uh, anyway, oh, look, more of Molly King in her underwear. Uh, I'm not attractive. Well, well, there you go, dear. As long as you believe it, it's fine. But, uh, stop taking and posing in your underwear. Try and be sort of seen as somebody who's a bit more interesting than just another person who walks about in their scanties all the time. Uh, £3 million premiership star says, I'm broke. How can you earn £3 million quid a year and say, I'm broke? That is unbelievable, isn't it? Listen, I've got to go. Enjoy your uh, shopping day today. We'll talk tomorrow morning from 7. OK? Uh, you will be there, won't you? I'd hate to think I start the programme without you. Have a really good day. Have a good evening. Don't drink too much tonight. It is only the eve of Christmas. And we'll talk again tomorrow. You can listen to LBC, as you know, whenever you want, wherever you are. What you do is download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment. You can do catch-up as well, so you don't have to pay for anything, which is fantastic. At 10 o'clock this morning, leading Britain's conversation, it's uh, John Stapleton. But coming up with breakfast, it is still Sunday morning, isn't it? Of course it is. It's Andrew Castle. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.